Welcome to episode one of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. We're going to begin our program by taking a look at downtown Los Angeles, which comes in at number one on our list of the top 10 most fascinating neighborhoods to explore within the City of Angels. So what we're going to do here every week, we're going to bring you our top 10, inspired by High Fidelity, Jonathan Gold, Roger Ebert, and a host of other critics from different spheres within entertainment, food, culture. We here at Living in the Sprawl want to bring you our top 10, and we're going to hone our focus in on a variety of subjects, beginning with our favorite neighborhoods in this fair city. So we're going to start with number one, and it's a bit personal for me. Number one is downtown Los Angeles, where the city grew up. Things came in around this region, but it all pretty much started here. So I actually lived in the South Park area for two and a half years, which is basically across the street from the Staples Center, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. The people that I met, the relationships that I built, the things that I saw, it was all pretty phenomenal, to be honest with you. And even though downtown Los Angeles stood largely empty, particularly past roughly five o'clock at night for decades upon decades. With the building of Staples Center and subsequently LA Live after that, things have really begun to resemble the way that this portion of the city used to look circa 1920, 1930, before the sprawl, that's our keyword here, folks, really took events in the city out into what was at that point the suburbs, but just essentially became another part of the city. So we're going to start our examination here with the historic core. So the historic core, it's basically called that because this was the first real up and coming thriving neighborhood within this part of the city. This was where business was conducted, where people would sell everything from shirts and different types of food to jewelry and everything that you could think of in between. This was really Rodeo before Rodeo, Melrose before Melrose, and definitely Silver Lake long before Silver Lake became a thing. My favorite place within the historic core, it's located at 317 South Broadway. This is, of course, the address of Grand Central Market. Now, Grand Central Market has stood in this space for over 100 years now. I would argue if you're going based upon simple landmark things that aren't dependent on how they appear visually, just what they mean to the city, I would put this near the top. In addition to being a place where individuals would gather and trade various items, what it resembles now is one of the great food halls of the world. Today, if you walk in there, you have a place like Prawn, brought to us by Mark Peel, ex-husband of Nancy Silverton, where you can get one of the best lobster rolls in the entire city. Ramen Hood, where you can get some wonderful vegan ramen from former Top Chef season two winner, Elon Hall. 
You could go to the Sorry Sorry stall, checking out some of the most fantastic Filipino food in the entire city from Margarita Manns, Walter Manns, who you might know from Republic on La Brea, one of the more popular restaurants in the entire city. You can participate in the fried chicken wars if you'd care to with a phenomenal sandwich from Lucky Bird. Cheese, they have you covered. DTLA Cheese sells some phenomenal, gosh, what have I had there? Oh, Manchego. Just to be clear, I am an enormous supporter of Manchego Cheese, and they have a great version there at DTLA Cheese. Tacos, multiple places have outstanding tacos. If you are interested in ceviche, they've got you covered. Same with Thai food, sticky rice. And if you want to participate in some great culture meets entertainment meets cuisine, look no further than Serata Papusa, which had a pretty fun cameo in La La Land with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. You can get some of the most dynamic pupusas in the entire city there. If you're looking for dessert, they've got you covered. McConnell's Fine Ice Creams. Iconic donuts from the Donut Man, Nicole Rucker's Fat and Flour, which I have to say on a personal note, I got my fiance a lovely Valentine's Day gift from their stall, and it really made for a wonderful holiday for the two of us. If you want to go for some Chinese, they've got the China Cafe, Horse Thief Barbecue, which I know is a Guy Fieri favorite, Oleo Pizza. I would say pretty top-notch if you're interested in that. Basically, this is a culinary extravaganza, the likes of which we don't see stateside too often. Yes, if you go to Pike's Market in Seattle, you go to a number of markets throughout the United States, yeah, you will see different vendors selling different types of things, but not to this level and not with the caliber of chefs who peddle their cuisines at Grand Central Market. Really, really is one of the most impressive array of culinary options that you will ever see in your entire life. And it's right there, 317 South Broadway. And if you step outside of Grand Central Market and walk directly across the street, you will be at another one of the most iconic locations in the entire city but especially in downtown. And that is, of course, the Bradbury Building. This over-a-century-year-old structure has been included in dozens upon dozens of films, everything from Blade Runner to Best Picture winning The Artist and a whole host of gritty crime television shows. All kinds of productions have been filmed inside because when you walk inside, it really is a portal into the 19th century. The decor inside is simply breathtaking. The type of thing that even a five-year-old, I think, would be able to appreciate because they've simply never seen anything like this in person. So a fun day, in my opinion, would be you do lunch or breakfast at Grand Central Market. You walk across the street and you All you have to do is walk inside the Bradbury building and you can walk up the iconic stairs from Blade Runner and it's really quite an afternoon. Now, if you walk across from Grand Central Market in the other direction 
you'll be at Angel's Flight. And Angel's Flight, also essentially 100 years old, which exists to remind us of days when traveling up through Bunker Hill was extremely difficult, and you'd have to actually get on a mini tram that would take you up an escalating hill as you went from hill up to Grand. So that is something that I would highly recommend for parents and their children. That's even honestly a great date option. If you went meal at Grand Central Market, followed by a trip into the Bradbury Museum, followed by a visit to Angel's Flight, I think that you would be in a good position. Also, it's there. My fiance reminded me of this. The movie 500 Days of Summer with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. In that movie, he's got a special spot where he always sits. And I found it. It is a bench that is right below Angel's Flight there where he would look across the street. So something I feel is, is pretty cool. Now, as we keep sauntering throughout the historic core, we wind up at the Museum of Contemporary Art a phenomenal museum. Inside the museum, you'll find a tractor that's been completely refurbished from parts of other machines. It's something I've never seen before, never thought I'd see in the first place, and something that really knocked my socks off, to be honest with you. You can kill an entire afternoon at the museum, and you will not be disappointed, that's for sure. Now, In addition to the Museum of Contemporary Art, you've got the Broad, not the Broad, the Broad. I was corrected by the staff when purchasing my tickets there. Inside, you have one of my favorite paintings, period, Norms on La Cienega on Fire by Ed Rausch. Now, I could be pronouncing that incorrectly, but what the painting is, I don't know if you've seen it or not, it's literally the Norms signage of the oldest Norms restaurant, on fire and just looks spectacular. I highly, highly recommend it. But inside you have a cavalcade of spectacular exhibits and age range from five to 95. Everyone will be impressed. A lot of fun. Now, if you walk just a couple blocks away, you will find yourself at the historic Biltmore Hotel. Now, Actually, personal history, my grandparents on my mother's side had their first date at the Biltmore Hotel. This would have been in 1950 or so. And this hotel is still kicking, still thriving, and still offering the Black Dahlia cocktail at the bar inside. Now, they do this because Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, was supposedly seen at the Biltmore in the days leading up to her disappearance. Seems to be unconfirmed, but there is a significant amount of smoke and there seems to be a general rule of thumb in reference to smoke. Inside the Biltmore, you have a breathtaking banquet hall where John Kennedy accepted the nomination for the presidency in 1960. I was able to venture inside the room. I closed my eyes. I envisioned JFK standing up near the podium, thanking the American people for vaulting him in to the thick of the presidential race. 
Really, really cool stuff. A ton of movies were also shot at this hotel. Probably most famous, Chinatown. But if you've watched A Star is Born, the one with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper from a couple years ago, the very first scene in the movie where Lady Gaga, she gets a phone call, she's aggravated, and then it kind of looks like she quits her job and she scampers out to the street. That is the Biltmore Hotel, which I thought was pretty interesting. Also, one of my favorite things to do in this part of the city is stride down Broadway. Now, at the moment, I'm not sure how much longer this has been going on for, but there's a significant amount of construction because they are refurbishing and renovating a lot of the old historic theaters that line the street of Broadway. On one side, you've got the Orpheum, the Los Angeles Theater, the Palace Theater. On the other, you've got the Million Dollar Theater. It's really one of the more remarkable collections of old school theaters in the entire country. Broadway, West Coast, essentially. So if you continue up Broadway, you'll run into the Ace Hotel, another terrific stop in this part of the city. If you so desire, you can head upstairs to their fantastic lounge with panoramic views of the city. You can enjoy a cocktail up there, some bites, pretty, pretty fun experience. And actually at this site where the Ace Hotel now stands, this used to be the headquarters of United Artists. And again, as is so common in this part of the city, the building has been completely reimagined and renovated and turned into a really wonderful first-rate hotel, concert venue, and movie palace. Actually, the last time that I was there, I saw Psycho with a live orchestra playing in the background. It was an experience that I will treasure as long as I live. And just a few short blocks from the Ace Hotel, you have LA Live, which is adjacent to the Staples Center. Now, for sports fans, Staples Center is synonymous with the Los Angeles Lakers, perhaps the LA Kings for some, including me, the Los Angeles Clippers. But for sports fans, period, this is the house that Kobe Bryant built, and there are a spectacular collection of statues out front to honor and commemorate some Laker greats. There's a Shaq statue out front, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wayne Gretzky is also out there. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before 24 gets his own statue. And it's so interesting. None of this existed when I was a kid growing up. And within two decades, formerly dormant, and largely vacant part of the city now is a bustling corridor for nightlife and great restaurants and under normal circumstances, not coronavirus times, but normal circumstances, particularly game nights, you will see people at LA Live and all around Figueroa, Figueroa and Olympic, which is where LA Live is located, people out having a great time. You know, one of the coolest aspects to the region is a phenomenon where you'll be walking. Let's say you're walking on 7th and Hill and you look up and you see a building 
And you go, oh, that's a cool building. I wonder how long that's been there. And you'll go to the internet, you'll check the name of the building, and you'll see that it's been there 120 years and that it used to be fill in the blank and was the inspiration for the 2020 movie, The Banker, which is something that happened to my fiance and I. Or you will go and look at wedding rings and you'll realize that the jewelry mart that you're shopping in used to be the Paramount Theater designed by Sid Grauman of Grauman's Chinese Theater fame. There's no shortage of tales from 200 years of American history embedded in the streets of this part of the city that often is overlooked in the popular conscious in favor of places like Hollywood, Beverly Hills, I suppose Malibu, Santa Monica, maybe. Every city worth its stripes has a downtown, and Los Angeles is no different. So despite any preconceived notions that you might have about, oh, it's downtown, you know, maybe we're scared of, of, of crime or the parking situation isn't ideal, use your own intelligence. You're a smart person. You can figure out what appears to be safe and what doesn't. Nobody's tricking you. And it's worth it, to be completely transparent and honest with you. It's absolutely worth it. There are a plethora of Michelin star restaurants in the area, the aforementioned sports, culture, some of the best museums that the city has to offer. Downtown Los Angeles is one of the most overlooked parts of the city. And in this podcaster's humble opinion, the most fascinating neighborhood to explore in the sprawl that is Los Angeles. Number two on our list of the most fascinating neighborhoods to explore in Los Angeles, we head a bit over to the west, really far west, so far that we wind up over in Westwood, home of UCLA, some really outstanding old movie theaters, and most importantly for this podcaster, Terangelis. So here's what a great day in Westwood would look like. You start at the Hammer Museum, which is on the campus of UCLA. Some really terrific exhibits all throughout that museum. You got a good 45 minutes, hour, hour and a half. Then a short walk over to Westwood Village where you could check out a movie at the Bruin or the Fox Theater at Westwood Village. Those are two of the most widely photographed movie theaters in the entire city. Definitely where Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate travels to see herself on screen in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then after the movie, go and get yourself a delightful cookie ice cream sandwich at Diddy Reese. I guarantee you, you will enjoy the classic Americana on display at one of the city's real landmark creameries. Now, if you're feeling a little bit adventurous, I would advise checking out the aforementioned Tyrangelis. So after the Iranian Revolution in 1979, a wave of Persian citizens came to the United States 
escaping the Ayatollahs who came to power in their native country, and an enormous amount of them settled in Los Angeles, specifically in Westwood. And that community has set up one of the best culinary divisions around. You can get kebabs, as you might imagine, but in addition to that, some of the best shawarma that you've ever had in your entire life. Taste of Tehran, Shamshiri Grill, Farsi Cafe. These are places that are run by families, and you can tell that in the food. It has that kind of feel that reminds you of something that you've grown up with, even though you haven't grown up with it. It's really transformative and powerful, and has that awesome ability to inform you of a different person's story without actually having to exchange words. The food is that good, trust me. If you've seen the Eddie Murphy comedy, The Nutty Professor, you might be familiar with the Jance Steps. They are the seemingly insurmountable flight of stairs that Professor Klump has a great deal of difficulty navigating before he turns into skinnier Eddie Murphy, Buddy Love. So those are really fun to see if you can conquer the steps that Professor Klump was unable to conquer. UCLA, writ large, that's home of Jackie Robinson, Arthur Ashe, and those two individuals are celebrated and memorialized on campus. Inspiring, to be assured, and not something that you'll be able to find at basically any other university in the entire country are figures like that who elevated the fields in which they competed and the nations that they represented. If you're looking to do something a bit off the beaten path, then I would recommend heading over to the Westwood Memorial Cemetery. This is not a normal cemetery. The amount of stars buried within a couple hundred yards of each other is quite staggering. It's a real who's who of old Hollywood, and they're all buried at the same cemetery. So the type of situation where you'll be walking around and you'll encounter the grave of Marilyn Monroe, which is adjacent to Hugh Hefner, which is not an accident. And within maybe 120 yards, you have the grave of Natalie Wood. Betty Page is buried there. Jack Lemmon, Walter Matthau, Billy Wilder. It is a real cluster of iconic Los Angeles and entertainment celebrities. Every single time I've gone there, encountered people taking photographs, and that's not something that I advise, but it is really breathtaking when you consider the enormity of the names that you will come across within the cemetery and the impact that they've had on American pop culture. And they're all right there at the Westwood Memorial Cemetery. If you drive about a half a mile away from UCLA, and this neighborhood is not making our list of most fascinating areas to explore in the city, but if you drive about a mile away, you'll arrive in Brentwood and you'll be able to see the house from the Golden Girl which is exactly as you remember it from the television program. And this, of course, was the scene of the crime of the century at 875 South Bundy, where Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman were killed on the night of June 12, 1994. So Brentwood, not a lot to do there. 
It's where a lot of the wealthy and privileged live within the city. But if you want to take 10 minutes to go see the house from the Golden Girls and 875 South Bundy, that is doable. Coming in at number three on our list of most fascinating neighborhoods to explore in Los Angeles is Silver Lake. Now, when the word Silver Lake comes to the surface in contemporary discourse, I think most people imagine a cluster of weed-smoking, out-of-work actors kicking a hacky sack around and reciting old-school poetry from Allen Ginsberg. You might see that. There's a possibility, but there's a lot more to be investigated and appreciated about the area than the reputation that it currently enjoys. First of all, if you want to claw back into the past, check out an outstanding flight of steps. I believe that's the first time I've ever used the word outstanding to describe a flight of steps. But when you see what I'm talking about, you'll appreciate why I decided to use that word. If you've seen the 1920s Laurel and Hardy film, The Music Box, then you'll recognize the steps located in Silver Lake, where the comedic duo had a jolly old time trying to walk a piano up this insane cluster of stairs it's a lot of fun you can get the movie on amazon for like two dollars and the walk up the music box stairs will take you 20 minutes maximum Additionally, the area is known for Cuban restaurants. I'd recommend Cafe Tropical and El Cochinito if you want to enjoy really phenomenal Cuban sandwiches and interpretations of some classic Cubano dishes and food in general. You can have the best soft scoop ice cream in the city over at Magpie's or some of the city's best tie over at night market. Again, this will be a reoccurring theme, but one of the most fun things about the city writ large is being able to wander into an Army-Navy surplus store on Sunset Boulevard and think to yourself, wow, this looks pretty familiar. Where do I know this from? Type it in on Google and realize it's where the 1992 Michael Douglas classic Falling Down was shot. If you've seen it, the scene with the awful racist owner, the place looks the exact exact same and it's simply hiding there in plain sight like the documentary once told us Los Angeles plays itself it really does that is something that happens now if you're interested in delving into some of the city's LGBTQ history this is a perfect neighborhood for you Black Cat Tavern holds a significant place in the hearts of members of that community being uh, a hangout place that's been around for decades, um, standing as a linchpin for the gay and queer community in Los Angeles. Additionally, Akbar is in Silver Lake, and aside from West Hollywood, one of the centers for gay life in the city. There is a wonderful farmer's market that takes place on the weekends in Silver Lake that I would highly recommend. And after getting some local produce, one can travel over to a park near the reservoir and enjoy some local fruits, vegetables, and whatever you manage to secure at the farmer's market. Definitely a great way to spend a Saturday. And what would a day in Silver Lake be without a visit to the famed Vista Theater? Over the weekend, 
I had a chance to watch True Romance, and I was reminded of the appearance which the theater makes in the 1992 film. It's really one of the best places to take in a movie in the entire city. It's been there for decades upon decades, made countless appearances in different spheres of pop culture, and a truly excellent spot to enjoy a great movie. Coming in at number four, let's zero in on a more southern portion of the city. We're going to focus on Crenshaw and Baldwin Hills. This area began really appealing to me a couple years back. I started making routine trips to the area and found one of my favorite hikes. It's in Baldwin Hills and essentially it involves climbing up an enormous mountain of stairs, but it's not too intimidating and it's by no means insurmountable. I saw plenty of families ascending upward on the staircase and I had the great fortune of following in their footsteps so that I could behold a magical view of really the entire city, but chiefly downtown Los Angeles. It's really quite magical when you stare off into the vista, beholding just these towering skyscrapers piled on top of one another. Simply marvelous, the type of spectacle, so gorgeous, it makes you want to write a poem, even if you are not hip to poetry. Another great thing in this part of the city is the Kenneth Hahn State Park. Now, my fiance and I, we had the opportunity to do a picnic. We picked up food from Johnny's in nearby West Adams, which serves a phenomenal pastrami sandwich. That place has been around, gosh, since the 40s, I believe. And after going through some renovations, they've come back extremely strong, serving one of the better pastrami sandwiches in the city. Anyway, we get the sandwich, we get some fries, and we head up into the Kenneth Hahn State Park. Just a lovely Saturday. We certainly were not the only ones doing this. We were surrounded by a plethora of couples, friends, groups of all kinds, all gathering and enjoying the sun and sublime weather. After that, we traveled over to Crenshaw Boulevard. And on Crenshaw Boulevard is one of the most spectacular collections of restaurants in the entire city. From Swift Cafe to Chef Marilyn's, Earl's, Doulon's on Crenshaw, when people talk about neighborhoods and individual areas having certain identities, what they really mean are places where you can feel the force of the community at work. And there's no better example of this than in the Crenshaw District. Every Saturday, they do an outstanding farmer's market. If you've seen the show Insecure, this is actually downtown Lemur Park, which is right next to Crenshaw. It's actually where the We Got Y'all business was headquartered and... Some of those filming locations are fairly obvious and fun to see. And if you're interested in everything from an out-of-this-world pastry, you can get that. Great cup of coffee. You've got Hot and Cool Cafe. If you want probably the best Jamaican food in the city, you've got a Key Bamboo. For true crime aficionados, this corner of the city was where Elizabeth Short's body was discovered bringing things full circle from the Biltmore discussion. So you can find that as morbid as it may sound. If you are curious, just driving by the spot, you can look at some of the pictures because Lord knows William Randolph Hearst ran enough of them 
out of the Herald Examiner, and you can pass that location. That's on Norton and Coliseum. Just want to drive by. People actually live nearby, so don't gawk and annoy people who actually reside there. But that is where probably the most infamous crime in the history of the city took place. We endorse the Black Lives Matter movement here on this podcast, and some of the great local Black-owned businesses are located here in this part of the city. I would highly recommend Southern Girl Desserts. If you're looking for some outstanding praline selections and just Let's hope you're not a diabetic when you go to Southern Girl Desserts. Also, Harold and Bell's on Jefferson Boulevard is a neighborhood staple that's been around for over 50 years, and they offer some truly outstanding Southern-themed fare. If you're in the mood for something a little bit on the healthier side, I would highly recommend the Swift Cafe. Wonderful owner there, Kendra, very, very sweet woman, and I am fully on board with what she's doing with trying to offer the community healthy options. The Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Shopping Center, they've got a nice Cinemark there. I went and saw Joker there, and you can pick up some outstanding Nashville hot chicken at Hotville which comes to us by way of Nashville royalty, the Prince family. And again, you will be supporting some of the best and brightest Black-owned businesses that the city has to offer. So don't sleep on Baldwin Hills Crenshaw. Go on the hike, have a picnic in the park, and check out all the wonderful things that this part of the city has to offer. At number five, we're going to head back over to the east side, settling in to Los Feliz. Los Feliz, Los Feliz. I've never been completely convinced one way or another, but in either case, this region has some of the best in terms of their food, overall sights, and vibe, I would say, that the city has to offer. Blink, and you might be able to convince yourself that you are sauntering through a Parisian side street when you walk up Hillhurst Boulevard. Tons of cafes, cute little shops, Cute would not be a word that I would use. That would be more of a word my fiance would use. But I think it's appropriate here. And on Hillhurst Boulevard in Los Feliz is pound for pound, perhaps the best independent bookstore in the city. That, of course, is Skylight Books, where they've got autographed copies of books by Charlie Kaufman just sitting on the racks because this is Los Angeles and those kinds of people stumble into the store. I would very much recommend sitting on the sidewalk when the sun is out, which is 80% of the year, at a place such as Mustard Seed Cafe or Cafe Figaro or the Alcove Cafe. It's the closest thing to Los Angeles has to offer to a classical European type experience. Sipping on a Cafe Olay or... I'm actually not a coffee drinker, so I don't quite know the right reference to make there. But I think you get the idea. And eating a wonderful pastry or quiche or something along those lines. After you're done with that, I would recommend walking over to my favorite view in the city. And that can be observed to the left. This is on the west. Mess Hall Kitchen. This is on Los Feliz and Hillhurst. And if you walk about 100 yards westward of that and you look up, you'll be treated to an amazing shot 
of the Griffith Observatory. Yes, that Griffith Observatory, the one from Reb Without a Cause and so many other iconic films that, of course, were shot in the City of Angels. Now, in Los Feliz, there are some of the best examples of generational architecture that the city has to offer, most notably the Ennis House. Now, if you drive up into the hills of Los Feliz, you will stumble upon Frank Lloyd Wright's iconic Ennis House, the one that Harrison Ford lived at in Blade Runner, where David Boreanaz's angel resided in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Just a really, really special house. If I could have had my wedding there, I would have. The type of property that might inspire you to purchase a little trinket along the lines of a mini Parthenon that you might buy in Greece to set upon your mantle or desk at the office. Just a really, really cool home that frankly does not belong in Los Angeles. Near the Ennis house, Richard Nutra's Lavelle Health House sits. It was actually used as Pierce Patchett's home in the movie Ellie Confidential. So perhaps you've seen it there. Nutra, Lloyd Wright, Rudolf Schindler, some of the best architects that happened to hone their trade in the City of Angels have things within this region. People like Sam Cooke actually resided in Los Feliz before he passed away. And it is a hotspot for celebrities and people that you might recognize. Additionally, the golf course from Swingers, the Roosevelt course, the little pitch and putt is located in the area. And John Marshall High School, home of, well, you might know it as Rydell High from Greece and a ton of other productions, is situated in this wonderful little neighborhood on the edges of Hollywood. And if you've seen the movie Swingers, the scene with the older couple playing the Bee Gees while Vince Vaughn and John Favreau chat up some young women, that is the Dresden restaurant. And it was actually where Will Ferrell played the flute on a date with Christina Applegate in Anchorman. So a lot of fun stuff in Los Feliz, the type of neighborhood where you wouldn't be out of place wearing a pair of flip-flops if you so desire. Before journeying a little ways up the hill to the Greek theater to see a set put on by the incomparable Ringo Starr, as I was fortunate enough to do. Number five, Los Feliz or Los Feliz. Check it out. Number six on our list of most fascinating neighborhoods in Los Angeles is Topanga Canyon. You might have to sit in a little bit of traffic on your way out to the area, but I assure you, your patience will be rewarded as this section of the city holds a special mystical kind of quality. You might even say this is the ashram of Los Angeles, the place where you would be in your element with the smell of incense burning in the background, mixed with clove cigarettes and the Grateful Dead's sugar magnolias pumping through the stereos, or better yet, in the case of Topanga Canyon, canned heats going up the country or the Doors Roadhouse Blues. I adore this area, actually. This is where my wedding is set to take place. And the charm of the region is simply undeniable. You would easily forget that you're even in Los Angeles if you spent enough time in Topanga Canyon. 
The Inn of the Seventh Ray is a wonderful little restaurant set in the woods. Now, I say the woods, and maybe you're getting the images of Game of Thrones, but it's not like that at all. It's truly lovely and really, really special. So if you head out to Topanga Canyon, I'd recommend a day at the end of the Seventh Ray. There are some wonderful bookstores in the region, and it's a great place to sit down and compose a journal if you're that type of person, or... Maybe throw the frisbee around or fly a kite if that's something that you've never done. Really lock in with yourself and be one with nature. Nature's natural ability to inspire creativity comes to the surface in Topanga Canyon. It's by no means an accident that musicians like Neil Young, Jim Morrison, and the aforementioned Canned Heat all resided in this area during the late 1960s as they sought inspiration for their recordings. Actually, Neil Young recorded his After the Gold Rush album while living in this part of the town. It's also notoriously known as the first place where the Manson family got together and settled in as a quote-unquote family. They resided at a house that's no longer there, but it did exist, (laughs) the Spiral Staircase. And there are no shortage of articles devoted to the Spiral Staircase and the Manson family and their time in Topanga Canyon. Topeka Canyon is also fairly remarkable because it's sandwiched in between Malibu and Santa Monica. And you might notice that neither one of those areas are going to appear on this list. You don't need me to tell you to go to Malibu. You've heard about it. It certainly wants you to know about it without actually going there. And Santa Monica is kind of the capital of the west side for the city. And you've certainly heard about it, and you don't need me to vouch for it. It's not particularly fascinating, if you want me to be completely honest. But if you want a special journey into the heart of nature, I would recommend Topanga Canyon. For number seven, we turn our attention to the Fairfax District. Now, this portion of the city essentially slides in between West Los Angeles, West Hollywood... Beverly Hills, a number of other places that you might be a little bit more familiar with. But the Fairfax District has a real special place, uh, not only in my heart, but in the heart of the city as a whole. Let's go ahead and start with what I might consider to be the linchpin of the community. And that is Cantor's Deli on Fairfax. Now, it's been in that location since 1953, Originally founded in 1931, this Jewish deli has played host to all kinds of scenes from late night, oh, probably alcohol and drug-fueled gatherings to family get-togethers and intimate dinners between couples that have been together for probably decades. Outstanding pastrami sandwiches, matzo ball soup, everything that you might expect to get at a Jewish deli, but with that special semblance of ambiance that only Los Angeles can carry in the background. Now, if we head a little bit down the street, you'll find yourself at both Animal and John and Vinny's. Now, 
within the last 20 years, Los Angeles, I would argue, has really taken the baton from New York City, Chicago, Washington, D.C., New Orleans as the most exciting culinary city in the United States. And John Shook and Vinnie DiTolo have a great deal to do with that. Their first big-time restaurant, which actually wasn't on Fairfax, and that was Son of a Gun, but Animal on Fairfax, a cuisine that would make a vegan shudder in horror. Sweetbreads, I'll be honest with you, first time I ever had sweetbreads was at Animal. I didn't know what they were. I thought it was, as the title implicates, sweetened bread, and that's not what it is. But what they do is some of the best meat-oriented cooking in the city and in the nation as a whole. And then John and Vinny's, which is across the street, which offers the L.A. Woman pizza and is a wonderful place to take out-of-towners. And then as we continue downward, Fairfax, we hit CBS Television City, home of The Price is Right. Yes, that version of The Price is Right, the one that Bob Barker used to host and now Drew Carey presides over. Actually had an opportunity to sit in for a taping before the pandemic. And let's just say the studio isn't as big as you might imagine while watching it on television. But Bill Maher hosts his weekly real time from the studio and a bunch of other recognizable shows have taped there for decades. I realized that perhaps I haven't done enough to emphasize a family outing on this list. So I wanted to go ahead and do some of that by recommending this part of the city so that parents have an opportunity to take their children to the Grove. For some, an absolute nightmare, but for others, a wonderful chance to shop in Los Angeles in capital letters, bold-faced, italicized, underlined. When you're talking about this portion of the city and the Grove specifically, you are in Los Angeles. And at the Grove, You can go to the Apple Store, Maggiano's, or any other place that you would think of when considering an outing at a local mall. And across the street from there is the original Farmer's Market. Farmer's Market before the Farmer's Market, if you will, before Santa Monica, Other ones that I've recommended on this podcast, the one in Silver Lake, this was really the only game in town from Magee's, which was the first stall inside of the market, to Dupar's, which for those of you that have watched the Amazon original series, Bosch, might recognize the establishment as a pivotal setting for a major plot point that takes place when Detective Hieronymus Bosch is having lunch with his ex-wife at Dupar's. So a recommendation here would be to take the children to the Grove. And then nearby, you have Pan Pacific Park. You could go there, throw a Nerf football around if you wanted, play catch. What's more fun than catch between a father and son? Croquet, if you feel so inclined, followed by a trip to one of the original farmer's markets in the nation. Everything that you could ever want there, and I guarantee your children will not be bored. You won't have to contend with an iPad at the farmer's market. If you're in a more reflective mood, the Museum of Tolerance is also located in the region that's at Pan Pacific Park. 
A note of personal history, my grandfather was actually principal of Fairfax High School. So again, this place has a very special role in my family and I adore it. So number seven, Fairfax. At number eight, we journey over the hill to the San Fernando Valley, stopping in the North Hollywood section. Now, I'll be honest with you, I had no conception of what North Hollywood was. I remember hearing about it from the 1997 bank robbery, but North Hollywood might as well have existed next to Victorville, as far as I was concerned. Now, I've actually had a chance to spend a great deal of time there, and I'm prepared to recommend it. The eighth most interesting place to hang out and to investigate in the city of Los Angeles. So if you look at North Hollywood, this is a little bit of a futures bet. So this is me believing that 15 years from now, North Hollywood will be mentioned alongside the Silver Lakes Los Feliz, Fairfax, it'll be in that same conversation. A ton of money has gone into the NoHo Arts District, where I would recommend beginning any adventuring in the neighborhood. There are over 30 different independent theaters, and in non-coronavirus times, you will see all of the actors that are not in Quentin Tarantino movies trotting out their various monologues and scenes. And if you're interested in seeing an actor's Los Angeles, North Hollywood is where you want to be. As I mentioned, those 30 different independent theaters play host to anyone and everyone and all of the material Again, that does not wind up on CBS primetime. Additionally, North Hollywood is blessed with the most exciting piece of public art in the entire city, and that is the Great Wall of Los Angeles, a public art project that really exemplifies community and what a collective group of individuals can achieve when they bind together and set their minds toward a specific goal. A really, really impressive piece of public art that by no means is the Great Wall of China, but it is a really interesting landmark nevertheless. In this part of the city, you also have a truly interesting crop of restaurants. And for that, we go to Cilantro Mexican Grill. And this is located inside of a gas station. And if that sounds a bit odd to you, it should. It's a Mexican restaurant that's located inside of a gas station. And yet they dish out some of the greatest burritos in greater Los Angeles. A really, really fun, different, off-the-beaten-path type of experience for out-of-towners and locals alike. This region has some spectacular late night options in Idle Hour Bar, which is a building that's been repurposed and used to be an example of programmatic architecture and now hosts arguably the most entertaining bar in the entire valley. And then you have the first tiki bar in the city of Los Angeles in the Tongva Hut, where you can get a tiki-inspired cocktail I would urge just one of them. If you opt for that second, you might regret doing so. But if you're interested in kind of a night on the town, sort of some interesting valley stories, 
I would advise checking out Idle Hour Bar, followed by a Trip to the Tongva Hut. There's a definite DIY independent spirit cascading over this particular neighborhood. Definitely up and coming would be the choice of words that I'd use to characterize it. North Hollywood is earmarked by a stream of coffee shops, bars, and restaurants that make it a far cry from the version of North Hollywood that I used to hear local Adam Carolla go on and on about in his podcast and in his books. I watched the show Barry the other night and my heart warmed when Noho Hank was introduced. That's not a character that would have existed 20 years ago because Noho wasn't a thing. North Hollywood wasn't really a thing. It was this neighborhood that had the name Hollywood in it, but had absolutely nothing to do with Hollywood, Hollywood. And now that has completely changed. And this is a neighborhood that people will be talking about in the same breath as a lot of the other fascinating neighborhoods in the city in 10 years. So again, a bit of a futures bet here, but coming in at number eight on our list of the most fascinating neighborhoods in Los Angeles is North Hollywood, your gateway into the San Fernando Valley. For number nine on our list of most fascinating neighborhoods in Los Angeles, we take our first trip into the South Bay where we settle in at the Port of Los Angeles in San Pedro. Underrated area, in my opinion, but for those of you who do reside in the South Bay, and for those that are unfamiliar, we're talking about a collection of cities and neighborhoods ranging from Inglewood and Hermosa Beach to Hawthorne, Carson. There's a lot going on in the South Bay, and it's sort of all gets lumped in together. If we were allowed to put cities on this list, Inglewood would have slotted in extremely high. But since we're only dealing with neighborhoods, San Pedro is where living in the sprawl checks in. And any day here should start at the San Pedro Fish Market, a 50-year-old food hall that epitomizes Port of Los Angeles to table living. So at this establishment, it's one of those situations where you're able to walk in, point at the fish that you want, they prepare it for you, any style that you want, and voila, it's there in front of you, a delightful experience where you may be interacting directly with a fishmonger or the very kind and friendly proprietors of the fish market but in any case, this is fun for all ages and a genuine reflection of the area. Definitely a highlight not to be missed. So the San Pedro Fish Market. Then I'm of the opinion that an old battleship, like one that actually saw combat during the Second World War, an opportunity to step aboard that type of vehicle, that type of ship. But that's a special experience and perhaps something that Angelinos take for granted as the USS Iowa sits directly in the Los Angeles Harbor. I've had the chance to take the tour there. Really spectacular. They show you 
where the gun holsters were located, where sailors had occasion to dine and sleep and live their lives during this period of time. And, you know, there's something eternally endearing to me about the landbound sailor who's in the city for a couple of days. They pull over in the port of Los Angeles. You get a gentleman who's from the Midwest, who's from the East Coast, from a much less populated part of California, and they get two days in the city. So they set out for downtown from San Pedro, and it just harkens back to a different time in American history, an era where there actually were drunken sailors carousing in the streets and getting up to God knows what. So if you are the type of person such as myself who's interested in something that you won't find in a Fromer's or any conventional guide for the area, you're the type of individual who might really love Sunken City. Now, what is Sunken City? To be honest with you, I didn't know until roughly a year ago. But when I found out, oh boy, was I elated. So Sunken City, it is perhaps the best example in Los Angeles of genuine urban exploration. So this is kind of an essential catch-all term for exploring abandoned places, sites that have fallen into disrepair, places that are not meant to exist any longer, but they still do for one reason or another. So Sunken City is a portion of San Pedro that exists but shouldn't. There was a rock slide in 1929, and a number of homes that were built along the coastline actually fell into the sea. Rather than completely do away with the entire area and redevelop and change things around, it seemed like the city decided to essentially put in an enormous fence to curtail activities, let's just say, and keep people out to prevent them from falling into the sea like the houses did. However, this has not stopped people from exploring the area because Sunken City, as this part of the area is now referred to, there are still foundations of the homes that fell into the sea roughly 100 years ago still in existence. It's pretty wild. It's definitely not safe. It's something that you'll have to decide for yourselves if it's really for you or not. But I had a hell of a time exploring Sunken City. I actually went and it was the first and I'm pretty sure only time in my life where I will be utilizing the services of a can of spray paint. Yeah, that's right. I decided to do a little bit of tiny graffiti. I just wrote out the letter J, which is my first name. So was able to do that in Sunken City. This appeared in The Big Lebowski during the... It's one of the last scenes after Donnie... Spoiler alert. After Donnie has passed away and they are scattering his ashes from out of a can of Folger's coffee. So... Sunken City is where that takes place. And speaking of interesting filming locations, I always wanted to really check out San Pedro as it reminded me of being a kid going to Edwards Big Newport in Newport Beach where I'm from and seeing the film The Usual Suspects, which has its climax set in the San Pedro Harbor. And moreover, the ultimate scene, the last scene in the film, 
where we find out the identity of Kaiser Soze, where an actor whose name shall not be mentioned on this podcast begins walking out of the police station and we see his limp slowly turn into a normal stride. That is actually at the police department there in San Pedro and it looks just like it did in that film from 1995. If we're talking about food, San Pedro has the best breakfast burrito in Los Angeles. I'm talking about the Chori Man, just a knockout of a burrito. The type of thing that never be able to find in a city such as Detroit or Kansas City or even Dallas. Not that those aren't phenomenal food cities. They just don't happen to specialize in breakfast burritos. But Los Angeles does. And in this podcaster's opinion, the best one to be found is the one at the Chori Man. Adjacent to that establishment is a wonderful bakery called Colossus. So you could do a real two for one in roughly half an hour, if you so desired, pick up some brioche or a loaf of sourdough, anything you want. It's actually really outstanding there at Colossus next to the Quarry Man. If we're talking about landmarks, San Pedro has things covered. The Korean Bell of Friendship, which also appeared in the aforementioned Usual Suspects, is pretty breathtaking example of a cultural monument. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's an enormous bell donated by the nation of Korea as a gesture of friendship. And it is really something to behold. Definitely a spot to stop, take a picture at, or if you feel so inclined, sit down and compose a song because it's truly beautiful. The view from the Korean Bell of Friendship. And though there are a cavalcade of wonderful things that you can find in the South Bay, if we're simply going neighborhood for neighborhood, pound for pound, I would go to San Pedro and I wouldn't think twice about it. So number nine, San Pedro. And that brings us to our last entry on the list of 10 most fascinating neighborhoods in Los Angeles. And for that, we head back to the east to Highland Park. Now, this area is, much like North Hollywood, rapidly changing. And there is gentrification that is obviously going on with people who have lived there for decades upon decades being priced out of the area, new people coming in. Yeah, that is happening. That's happening, to be honest with you in all corners of the city. Highland Park just represents the most obvious example of it. So taking that into account, this is an area that is absolutely worth your time. Starting with the Highland Park Bowl, maybe the most interesting bowling alley in the entire city. You can go there and have an absolutely terrific night. Across the way from there, you have the Highland Theater, which is a two-screen, old-school-style cinema, and definitely one of the more interesting theater-going experiences that you're likely to have on the east side of the city. Highland Park kind of came on my radar when Mark Marin began broadcasting from his garage within the neighborhood. So the episode that he keeps up there that has been able to penetrate the paywall, the one with Barack Obama where the president stopped at the garage, that was in Highland Park. So in this area, you have real fantastic collection of 
restaurants. Hippo, which is in the old Highland Park post office, is a great example of that. Otano, where you can get probably the best paella in the entire city. And I would urge anybody who wants to get in on the West Coast bagel craze to check out Bell's Bagels, which offers a phenomenal bagel sandwich, not to be missed at all. And when you're driving on Figueroa, and you got to make that left on York or that right on York. You are probably passing the warehouse from Reservoir Dogs. So definitely Quentin Tarantino used parts of Los Angeles that were underrepresented at the time and much to his advantage, I would say. On a future episode of this podcast, we'll discuss Guji architecture, programmatic architecture, some of the strange trends that Los Angeles and other parts of Southern California chose to embrace as various corners of the city were built up. But in my opinion, Highland Park has one of the strangest yet most delightful examples of programmatic architecture that can be found in the city. I'm talking about Chicken Boy. Now, this is a statue that's on top of a building along Figueroa Boulevard. Again, Pretty close to Figueroa in York, which is kind of the nexus of the neighborhood. So Chicken Boy is a statue that, yeah, it's on top of a building. It formerly was on top of a building in downtown that used to sell, surprise, surprise, chicken. But when it moved to Highland Park, it wasn't really advertising anything other than the strange, audacious love affair that Los Angeles has had with programmatic architecture. It's literally a statue of a boy who's got like a human body and then a chicken mask on top of his head. It's strange. It's delightful. It makes zero to no sense. And yet it fits in perfectly within the bounds of Highland Park. In the neighborhood, you've also got the Heritage Square Museum where you can find examples of some truly historic houses that were from areas like Angelino Heights and other parts of downtown that rather than succumb to destruction were preserved and moved to this outstanding museum. You have the opportunity to tour some of the old homes and check out how some of the denizens of the city used to live a hundred years ago. What did houses look like at that point? People always talk about how Los Angeles is only second to Las Vegas, home of the new. Our history is that we have no history, but that's deeply unfair and untrue. So if you are interested in checking out how some people resided in the past, I would recommend a jaunt over to the Heritage Square Museum. So there we have it. 10 best neighborhoods to explore in Los Angeles. Again, as I mentioned a couple of times along the way as we ran down this list, I didn't feel it necessary to point out some of the areas that you've already heard of or you've already explored if you're interested. What purpose was there in highlighting the Hollywood Walk of Fame or the Hollywood sign or Rodeo Drive or anything along those lines? No, I saw my duty here to really get you to some interesting places that you might not have explored otherwise. So with that, 
want to thank you very much for listening to this first inaugural episode of Living in the Sprawl, Southern California's most adventurous podcast. On behalf of my beautiful, wonderful producer, Elisa, my name is John Steinberg, wishing you happy exploring. See you next time. Bye.